0: Hello, welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations, where we have inclusive conversations with persons who have amazing interests with inclusiveness. and i it, It's really good to have the amazing Jarvis Gugu today, a Mi'kmaq educator, someone who is passionate, um, community driven, if I can say that as well. Jarvis,
1: welcome to the Neighborhood Conversations. How are you? Well, uh thank you very much. I'm I'm good. Uh temperatures just dropped a bit here, so it's a little chilly now, but I say it's still summer, so I'm still wearing my shorts. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. And
0: what wh- what land are you coming from today? I, I think it- it's really good to recognize that.
1: Oh, thank you. I am coming from uh Mi'gamagi, which is the land of the Mi'kmaq. It is the First Nations people in uh Eastern Canada. So when I say Eastern, I do mean Eastern, which is the Atlantic region. So uh, that's where I I, uh, am coming from.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. And I am coming from Iqmagi as well. And so it's it's really good to, to recognize the land which we meet today. I want to acknowledge that this recording will be played on Truth and Reconciliation Day. And so I want to have a conversation today with Jarvis about what is Truth and Reconciliation? I think let's go into the conversation. Though. What is Truth and Reconciliation Day, um, and why do we celebrate it?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, big story, little story, long story, but a great story. Yeah. So basically it is the recognition of a day. Um, it's one of the calls to actions from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's final report call to actions to have a statutory holiday, uh, if we can call it a holiday, Uh, a day to commemorate, to reflect upon, and remember. Uh, You know, we we all like to praise Canada, but at the same time, Canada's got a racist past. And it's to recognize the legacies of the Indian residential school system and the impact it has had on Indigenous children who have become adults, who have become elders, and the intergenerational trauma that gets passed on from children to grandchildren, so on and so forth. And it's it's about learning, from the past, you know, what, what, not just what these schools were, but why the why were these schools, this whole system, why was it created in the first place? And basically, don't, they wanted to get rid of what I will call the quote-unquote the Indian problem. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to deal with uh, Indians' issues, affairs, healthcare, everything. So the intent was, you know what, if you get rid of them, by assimilating them How do you assimilate them? Basically, you make them white, get rid of their language, get rid of their culture, get rid of whatever identity that makes them them. So, yeah, there's a whole thing. There were were some laws on grown-ups, but they figured the best effective way to go after it was to go after children because there's no way you can pass on your culture, heritage, and language if the children don't grow up learning it. And because if it's gone, how what are they going to pass on and carry? Uh, whether are they going to carry on, send the f- further generation? So basically, they've uh, they, there's the system. You know, for a lack of a better term, would say I would say it failed. Yeah. But sadly, we're still dealing with the legacies of you know intergenerational systemic racism from these schools. So you know to work on reconciliation, on, you know, peace and friendship, rectifying this, addressing this, dealing with this, making it better. The thing is you gotta learn what brought us here in the first place. Right. So the big key is you have you know, Canada has to learn about these systems, uh these schools that were in place, in addition to, you know, the other racist history right. that we've had here in Canada. Um, you know, and with Truth and Reconciliation Day, it's like, okay. There's many issues of racism that happened here. So what we're we going to focus on today, the the legacies of the, uh, the Indian residential school system and, you know, the effects it continues to have today. You know, we see impacts with, um, you know, education, attainment, uh, with overrepresentation in the criminal justice system, you know, people in prison, apprehension of uh, children, child welfare services, uh, boil water advisories, uh, you know, this is just the legacy of colonialism thinking indigenous people cannot govern self-determine, think, work for themselves. So we are going to tell you how to do this. Yeah. And, you know, when you, you know, I'll say when you superimpose, it, it, it's not a good thing. You take away our rights, our lands, our resources, and, you know, it leaves us in a bad situation. Yeah. And of course, going back to your question of, you know, what is Truth and Reconciliation Day? It's, you know, it's something I believe that should be going on year-round, but I guess I would say it's an extra day to think about and learn about these systems, these things I just mentioned about, but get into more detail about them and then asking yourself afterwards, which I think you know is the question that was uh, the last question on the email, you know, what can people do about it? Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. And, and and Jarvis, you know, how do you define peace and reconciling? Like, how do you how do you define that as an individual? I I know I didn't add this question, but I'm just I just I'm curious. I am a conversationalist, so I try to yeah. pick in questions. So how do you define peace and reconciling, um,
1: in this way? Yeah. Uh, for me, a start, big start, would be, you know, acknowledging, understanding, and knowing that. The whole thing with the system, the the old system, like residential schools are closed now and you know, formerly they've been off the books since only twenty fourteen. Uh, the last school closed in the late nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what does it uh, you know, how do you reconcile that, you know, you know, with the peace and everything. And to me, the first thing is acknowledging this wasn't um, you know, a bad school system. It was a bad school system. And you knowing and, and understanding, these schools were racists. These schools, you know, the intent was to just eliminate, erase anything that made you know an Indigenous person Indigenous, regardless of what First Nations uh, you actually belong to or you are that 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 you are a member of. Federally, this thing was from east to west, and uh, objective was assimilation, the erasing, yeah. you know. Cultural genocide yeah. to get rid of, you know, the existence of what is Big to get rid of the existence of what is Coke Silash, to get rid of the, the existence of what is Blackfoot, you know, re- regardless of what first nations it was, get rid of the language, culture, heritage, spirituality, anything and everything, long hair, your clothes. Once that's all gone, you as a people are gone mm. as you know, with cultural genocide so going back to your question about what does it look like first things first acknowledge these weren't just schools that failed to teach how to properly read these are racist places and you know to say hey this was a horrible bad problem yes Canada, we want to brag we have a human rights record we want to brag we have a charter that that's fine and dandy but you got to understand we've had these racist policies in the past here we need to acknowledge that then you know in rectifying that with reconciliation we need to talk about and address how do we tackle it how do we make it better we've had a serious horrible problem
0: yeah
1: um basically just before confederation early relations between indigenous people and european colonialists were ones of nation to nation Like, at least here speaking in Mi'kma'ki, I do not speak for other First Nations out West. Here in Mi'kma'ki, our relationship with the crown, you're British, we are Mi'kmaq. We will enter into treaties based upon that premises. We are the Mi'kmaq nation. You are the British crown. And then, you know, these treaties were signed and agreed to in the 1700s. Then a lot of history happened. More settlers came in more loyalists from Britain, not Britain, I'm sorry, more loyalists post American Revolution came to Nova Scotia. I believe after the American Revolution, about 30,000 settlers from the loyalists in the United States colonies came up here and that's a lot of people to, you know, cramp into this area of Mi'kmaq and displace the Mi'kmaq people who were here and taking away what little land that was already taken away from us and then Begin the process of stuffing us onto our uh, reserves. Right. So going back to the question, how do we deal with that? Many, many things, but yeah. going with the topic of reconciliation, the big thing is the calls to action. There are 96 of them. Within that, some have been implemented, some are yet to be acted upon, some are a work in progress. Um, and of course, because of what September 30th is now today in Canada, uh, one of those calls to action is there, acknowledging this is a day we need to set aside to educate ourselves, to talk about the TRC, to talk about the legacy of racism, and to work towards it. Uh, I, I could go on all day about yeah. the 96 calls to action. We won't do that. Yeah. But it's at least a starting point vis-a-vis uh, you know what September 30th is about.
0: We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories.
1: I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning.
0: I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance.
1: I'm looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before.
0: And now back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that, and and mm-hmm. that's and that's really important. Wow, the call to action. Um, it, I, I know you say you can go over over that in, in a span of an hour, it, it, and and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna invite you back on to to dive deeper into those conversations because I feel like this education is needed. Um, to be a wake up continuous wake up call for for um. Political leaders and people who are in power um, to make change and to be a part mm-hmm. of that that change for sure. Um, you speak about cultural gen- genocide. I I, w- I want you to touch a bit about that. What does that mean? Um, to mm-hmm. give our listening
1: audience a better, yeah. um, clearer definition. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh it's uh spelled out in the it's into the TRC's get, um, executive summary. Uh, I'm actually. It's when the TRC came out, I know a lot of folks are always saying, yo, know, go ahead and read it. It's thick, it's many volumes, and we're talking thousands of pages. And uh uh I am gonna answer the question, so I'm gonna give you a side history. Yeah, and what I and when I read, uh I'm a vast majority of the time, I am a paper reader. I need a physical book. I like making highlights, same, tab theme same yeah. Yeah. And I was looking for an entire Printed bounded copy of the TRC, and I looked for years right. for it. Right. Uh, I found one publisher out west mm-hmm. uh, who was able to sell bind it all everything right. for seven hundred dollars. I was like, mm. and so I do. I'm talking to you on my iPad, yeah. and I said, you know what? I I don't like to be an e-reader, right. but I kind of have a choice. So I downloaded the entire TRC, and I'm actually in the midst of reading it. Yeah, so. I'm at the. Uh, I start off with the, the summary of it before I get into more details. In it is the definition of uh, cultural genocide. I'm not. Find, I'm not going to recite it verbatim with a textbook definition, but it goes to a bit of what I said earlier. You know, genocide in of itself just the killing off of people. Cultural genocide is basically eliminating, killing off, erasing. Yeah. The characteristics and the things that make a culture a culture. So, as a Mi'kmaq person, uh, I'm not—I'm I'm not fluent, but I speak a pretty amount, good amount of the Mi'kmaq language. Um, our culture—you know—we use birch bark trees. Uh, we made baskets. We—we uh, not made birch bark trees. We made birch bark canoes out of birch bark trees. Yeah. Our wigwams, our songs, our language, our our spirituality, our spiritual practices. Um, things that our our culture, our our events of Soliday, which is how we mourn our loved ones after they passed all these things and many more are what make Mi'kmaq people Mi'kmaq going elsewhere, I understand um, and I apologize to any West Coast Indigenous listeners, as I understand uh, West Coast uh, of North America, so I'm talking the West Coast along the Pacific As I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong. The culture, a big part of it, uh, the carving of uh, totem poles. Like we learned about Mongo Martin when I was in elementary school, Uh, the Sundance, something I understand as traditionally that of the Plains, Um, and that's their culture. That's what makes them unique. We as Mingo, we have our things that make us unique. So with cultural genocide in the school systems, these residential school systems want to erase that and eliminate that. Say stop learning language. Speak French, speak English. If you speak your native language, we will beat you up for it. Your uh, your spirituality's wrong. Be a good white Christian. Learn about Jesus and stuff. Don't don't be worshiping the sun or the ground or you know, whatever First Nations culture worships or practices. The, to the to the schools, all out the window. You learn English and French, you learn what we learn. Uh, you be a good Christian person. We're going to work with the missionaries and we're going to enroll this system to assimilate you. And to me, it's like you've erased and gotten rid of what made us unique as Mi'kmaq. You tried to erase and get rid of what makes Blackfoot Blackfoot, so on and so forth with other uh, nations across this land. And to me, when you erase what makes us unique, you've committed cultural genocide. You've gotten rid of what makes us stand out as unique individuals, unique first nations, you know, east to west there. Mm -hmm. So that would point and I would say fulfill the definition of what is cultural genocide. You're not necessarily killing the child per se, but of course, as we know, children died at these schools. We know about the stories, we are learning about the stories of the mass graves, the TRC documents, children died at these schools. And so I'm like, that's a part of the genocide right there. Get rid of culture. It's the whole process, cultural genocide. And it's almost like, well, you couldn't, we couldn't, it was like the fed said back in the day, we can't make laws per se to just go to the reserves and kill people, Yeah. but we're going to make a law loss that at least curb their lifestyle, curb their culture, hurt their culture that attack them. Yeah. So, and you know, the way we seen, we have see, historically seen, you know, living conditions on reserve in Canadian history because of colonialism, I'm like, well, you know, what? people are dying here too. It's not, it's not, system's not good for us. So I would say, I would argue, like, yeah, that's a genocide right there in of itself. Yeah, wow, wow that's that's a
0: that's a that's a a good history knowledge <laughs> lesson, um, Jarvis. I I appreciate um you sharing that. Um, it, it leads to my next question that you target mm-hmm. towards the residential schools. When did the res- residential schools start to have an impact on the Aboriginal people?
1: Uh, I, I I probably will say the day the first one opened up. Mm-hmm. And I'll even say even the day, even before the first one opened up. Because the, the, with the system itself, the thing is the whole intent of assimilation. Yeah. The idea of, all right you stop speaking Nishka, speak English. Yes. You stop uh, speaking um, Hrishoni. No, start speaking French. And when you start attacking our language, which is a very fundamental core to a culture, to me, that was the start of attempted to, you know, wipe us out vis-a-vis cultural genocide of our people. Right. And I'm thinking even of... Uh, the time the very first child was apprehended by you know the canadian state and saying all right child children you're off to indian residential school we are physically going to just take your child from your parent in your community and if the parent puts up a fuss we'll arrest you we'll throw you in jail so we're going to take your child sometimes we'll lie and say oh your children are going to learn english and french so they'll be and they'll get a grade 12 diploma. So they'll be very successful and can help you out. No, our the teachers were underpaid, the teachers were poorly qualified, the teachers taught in very, very overcrowded classrooms. How's a child supposed to learn in these schools? So going back to uh, when it first started taking effect, I would say the moment someone came up with the idea of it and how that started taking the first child away, that's going to affect the child, the child's parents. Say we're just going to take your kid. Yeah, you're doing a horrible job. Yeah, why do you think you're doing a horrible job? I'll say because you're not white. So we just presume you're a bad parent.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's sad. Like just hearing this is it. May, and I've I've been learning more about truth and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just so sad just to hear about what's what's happened. Um, in in. We're still seeing more things come out of um the residential schools and, and stuff like that, which is is mm-hmm. it's it's just sad for sure. Today yeah. it, today is truth and reconciliation day. Um what can people um do in order to reflect um and educate themselves um mm-hmm. today as they continue to move forward? Yeah.
1: Um lots of things. Yeah. <laughs> lots of things for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I remember uh, a uh, a statement that uh the former chair Justice Murray Sinclair stated um a couple of years ago. I think it was pre-pandemic. Right. And so and I believe the same question paraphrase was put to him that you just asked me. And he said read the TRC all of it. If you don't have the time or the resources to read the TRC, read a summary about the TRC. If you can't read the summary, read the summary of the summaries. If you can't read that, read the calls to action. If you can't read that, talk to someone who may have read it or talk to someone about the calls to action. And I'm a firm believer myself in big steps or little steps. Have you ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? I haven't actually, but I should watch it. I'm going to watch it. okay i i'm not gonna ruin it there's a great end it's it's a shock and fun ending but so i'm not gonna ruin it for your listeners okay. <laughs> yeah but i i'll say this uh if i had to how would i well, uh, explain this. it. So, still,
0: still explain it because maybe the, listen, okay. maybe the listeners right. already listen. Well, maybe I, okay. I'm that one. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. Okay, all
1: okay. right. Spoiler alert, Shawshank Redemption. So the guy is wrongfully convicted of murder. So he's sentenced to prison and he vows to escape from the prison. Mm-hmm. And so he asks uh, his friend Red, played by uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, get me a pickaxe. I'm gonna dig myself way out of this prison. So Morgan Freeman laughs at him. Yeah, you're gonna dig yourself out of prison. Sure, got it. And he says, "Get me a poster." Sure, okay. So I think for almost 20 years, with a pickaxe, every night he chips away at a wall in his prison. It took it took him 20 years. He got he made a hole big enough to escape and x ex- and to you know get out of the prison there and you know. And he's free. And Morgan Freeman's character is like, wow, he did it. I laughed at him and I said, it's going to take you, uh, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years or whatever. He said, no, you did it at 20. It took a while, but you did it. And like, realistically, what would have been faster? A bulldozer. (laughs) What would have been faster? A key to the cell.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of things could be faster, but the way I saw his character, I'm like, you know what? It took little steps, it took you a long time. But you got through it. And for me, I say when it comes to reconciliation, what people can do, I say, I always say no, no step is too small. Yeah. Likewise, I always say no step is too big either. Uh, when I remember, uh, so what I did is um, I lobbied my, um, I don't want to say lobbied. That's a harsh term. But I reached out to my member of parliament right. uh, in in the past. Uh, even before a pandemic, about you know having a day to recognize, um, you know, as per the calls to action of reconciliation and um, reflection on the legacies of Indian residential schools. Now I've reached out to my MLA as well to have it recognized provincially, and to me, that's a major step. That's right. a major because co- it's in it's one of the calls to action. It is right. major, yeah. but at the same time. Uh, you know, this podcast that we are speaking on right now, maybe it's a uh, girl guides, maybe it's uh, an elementary school in the city. When they email me or call and they ask, can you come speak to our group? Can you come speak to our class? That's not a call to action. No. It's not in there specifically. Girl guides reach out. No. It's just something I do because they have asked me and that means so much to me. So I would say, if they're available uh, to, you know, if you're a Mi'kma'ki, see, you can find out. And don't be shy to ask, speak to Mi'kma'ki educators. Ask them if they would come in. Uh, I, I And I love coming in to schools. I love talking to youth. Um, same time, I talk to engineering firms. I talk to um, health regulatory bodies, this podcast, whomever, about, you know, talk about the legacy of, of Indian residence schools. Sometimes I, I'll just talk about um, Mi'kma'ki law. By training, I am a lawyer. Yeah. I'm still a member of the bar. I love talking about the law. Yeah, it's boring, but like you know, law and legislation had a major impact on you know, not just Mi'kmaq people, but all indigenous peoples across the land. So for me, that's kind of a personal interest of mine. I love talking about treaties. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I'm a little too textbook on them, I think. But yeah, you know, that I love talking about history. Uh, I'm an agnostic person. I don't know a lot about spirituality. I'm not very big in a folklore. But there are big amount educators out there who are and who can, you know, provide that as well, too. And the way I see it, whether you're seven or eight years old in like Boy Scouts or Girl Guides, whether you're um, in junior high or whether you're, you know, the CEO of an engineer firm or whether you're the director of a health regulatory body, the way I see it, never too young, never too old. Never too busy to learn. Right. There are educators out there. Ask them, you know, ask them to come in. Ask yeah. them if they can speak. Yeah. Um. And because you're, you know, it's an opportunity for you and the folks that you are with to yeah. learn something. And I like to think, you know, I, I spoke to a school last year. Uh, the uh, school uh was just in um just in Timberlea there, and I think they had about sixty students. I spoke to. And part of me is like, you know what, of those 60 students, how many are going to continue to keep having an interest in indigenous issues and Mi'kmaq rights? Maybe, you know, they go to university, maybe whatever papers they pursue, classes they take up. They're like, you know what, that speaker meant something to me. I want to learn more about Mi'kmaq history. Maybe they want to go into med school or law school. You know, with an intent to say, you know, what? I want to do my part with reconciliation, right. whether it's advocating for rights right. or providing culturally appropriate, culturally sensitive, culturally aware health care in our Mi'kmaq communities within Mi'kmaq. Um, I always say, whatever it is, it's a step towards reconciliation. Yeah. It may it may seem like baby steps, but I always say, you know what? Big steps lead. Baby steps lead to walking. Walking leads to running. Running leads to the end of the
0: race. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's wow. That's powerful. Can you see that? Yeah, you. Can you see that last quote <laughs> again? Can you, say, can you say that, if, if you can remember? Can you just say it again? Just,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, no bit, no step is too big or too small because baby steps lead to walking. Walking leads to running. Running leads to the end of the race. Wow. And we're all going to get there. And you know. Maybe it's a never-ending race. Maybe yeah. that's what, reconciliation is an ongoing process. Yeah. But the important thing is you are still moving forward, and that's all that counts.
0: Yeah, and that's all that counts for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I appreciate you coming on, Jarvis, to just advocate and to share and to continue to um, educate us on, and I believe this the time is now. For us to mm-hmm. take action, the time is now for us to move forward and to get on uh, on government table to change those policies around to, to review um, those call to action and see where we can act now. Um, mm-hmm. Like you say, and in this, there's, there's no excuse. We have no excuses. Mm-hmm. There's no excuses. I feel like we always make up the excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time is now for us to act. You know, I, I before we go, I, I want to um, close by touching on. People wear orange shirts on 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 this day. Can can mm-hmm. we just can we speak to why um every Canadian international person, any person who uh who is wearing that shirt today, let them know what does
1: this is mean by you wearing this shirt? Yeah. Like, yeah. The story behind it uh is not, in a way it's not an old story. It took place in nineteen seventy. So in the historical historical context of Indian residential schools, it's more of a recent one. It was about a young woman, yeah. I believe, out west in British Columbia. Yeah. On her first day of school, she had an orange shirt that was um, very special to her. I think her mother bought for her or gave it to her, someone in her family. And the school, and the shirt was taken away from her, mm-hmm. and you know this left her very sad. And you know there was a campaign on. For September 30th, I believe, to be Orange Shirt Day because of, you know, when you take something a child loves and you take it away from them, you know, as an adult, you know, I take away your pen or whatever. You probably want to get annoyed. But as a child, that could be traumatizing. You know, especially an adult in a position of power doing that. uh, I understand that, you know, this woman's still alive. She continues to advocate and be very vocal on behalf of uh, her fellow Indian residential school survivors. So, you know, the the orange shirt, to me, it's a big thing because it raises awareness of it. And the little step I like about it is if there's somebody amongst you that day who doesn't know about the Indian residential school systems, who doesn't know even what orange shirts are and what they mean, they see the shirt. And the big thing I hope what they do is they ask. Yeah. They ask, somebody speaks to them about it, they, and then they educate them about it, and then that person walks away thinking, wow, this was horrible. What can I do to continue to, my, to do my part with it? Being a spillover effect, move on and on and moving forward. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs>
1: <Thank> Jarvis,
0: Gugu, <you. laughs> everyone. Thank you so much for coming on to the Neighborhood Conversations where we have so much inclusive education awareness and these education awareness leads to action to allow other people to hear how to move forward onto different tables. Thank you so much for coming on once again, Jarvis. Um, We always try to end with a a, a last lasting quote and a lasting tip of the day. And Jarvis, Gugu, I'm going to allow you to give us the lasting tip, lasting quote or quote of the day that will help people to move forward in action,
1: when you take time to learn about Indian residential schools and the legacy of colonialism in this land, and trying to do your part with respect to reconciliation, any gesture, any step, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. It's all important. And we say every child matters. I say every step matters. Move it forward. Push forward. If and always approach it with an open mind. Be willing to learn because there are people out there who are willing to help and willing to educate and work with you towards peace and friendship and truth and reconciliation.
0: Jarvis Cuckoo, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, audience, have a great day, and we will see you at the next episode. Thank you. This podcast is funded by the government of Nova Scotia.